Welcome to the Race and Redemption Podcast. We're here to help white Christians move from questions to change. This is my friend Susan. She brings her whole heart to this conversation. She has a wealth of experience in cross-cultural relationships in her own family and in her community. And she marries that with the truth of scripture about race and redemption. And this is my friend Brooke. She has been researching these topics for years within the church, and she's bringing new information that's factual, accurate, and nonpartisan. And that's what the church needs right now. How's it going? It is good to be back, Susan. It's been a summer. I won't say it's been an entirely restful summer. It's been a summer, but I still feel ready to dive back in and connect back with our listeners. You had a lot going on, haven't you? Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people experience this. It's not quite the summer that we all hoped for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had a, a lot in our family. In fact, I was remembering that the last episode that we recorded right before really the end of the, the spring season, end of the school year, my dad passed away mm-hmm. and it was the next day. And so the summer has been a lot of just working through that, being with family and enjoying that time together, honestly, mm-hmm. treasuring that time with family. So that's been great, but it's just looked really different than we expected. And I don't know about you guys, but we had three failed attempts at taking a vacation this summer. So, oh, no. <laughs> so I'm kind of back, glad to be back in the rhythm of school yeah. life again. <laughs> yeah. And not having all that vacation disappointment. Ugh. Yeah. But you know what? God is so good through it. And at the third fail, we were like, you know what? We're not supposed to go anywhere right now. Mm-hmm. We just need to be mm-hmm. here and recoup and refresh, not escape, just be. And that was a really good experience for us to just be content sitting where we are and reflecting on the year that we've had and the year ahead. That's so good. I definitely didn't have some of those challenges that you guys were struggling through, but we really tried to disconnect, got off of social media, really tried to strip down and focus just on the five of us here, really spent a lot of time reading and really listening to God. And I felt like the past couple of months has reoriented my heart and reestablished my foundation in him with all the just uncertainty and frustration and just terrible things that are going on right now. It's been really peace giving to remind myself that God is sovereign, that God is in control. And coming out of a place of love right now. And we're going to talk about that today. In fact, that's why the episode is called What's Love Got to Do With It? Really reorienting my heart around the concept of radical love being Mm. the approach that the church is called to right now in the face of everything that we're dealing with, including disappointments, including frustrations. I mean, speaking of disappointments, we were scrambling at 1030 last night because we have Kids that have varying degrees of COVID exposure. And so now they're home and we had to hop on Zoom. We're not even in the studio today. We're on Zoom. And I know a lot of you listeners are dealing with the same thing right now. The struggles and frustrations of you don't know what the next day is going to bring. Or the next hour. (laughs) Yes. 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 I know. Anita Phillips posted this really great cartoon the other day. And it was showing this heart carrying this load. Mm. And it was like, it was carrying the trauma of the past year. 
it was carrying the disruptions, the anxiety, all the things that like in the day that kind of come at us. And in the last image of this cartoon strip, it's the picture of the brain looking at the heart and saying, mm. what, what's your problem? Yeah. And it was a great reminder to me of, we try to rationalize it, but we have to just stop for a minute and say, this is hard. Yeah. And I don't want to over-dramatize like, okay, also it's really not that hard in some ways. It depends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it depends on mm-hmm. you see it. But like, we have to acknowledge that we as human beings do have expectations and we do long for God's perfect kingdom. And when we don't see it, we get sad. It really is hard. And so just being realistic about that helps to kind of reframe like our sense of thankfulness for what we do have, for the peace that we do experience, for the incredible blessings that we've enjoyed just being with family Mm -hmm. this year. So that's been really good. And like you, I was like off social media all summer. Every time I opened it, just, I was like, I wonder if someone's posting a really cool vacation picture. Nope. I would get on it and scroll two screens and I would say, I can't do it. Exactly. exactly. My stomach would like churn and I'm like, nope, I can't take this. I can't take it. You used to love Instagram because it wasn't like Twitter. It was more people's like encouraging pictures. And now it's also like all this text and it's really me. And I said, I can't do it. I'm not ready to be in a battle today. Mm. So I think that's a really good setup for our conversation about, hey, why is it even a battle? Like, where's the love? (laughs) Where's the real? Yeah. And you're really reminding me of something that hit me this summer as I was revisiting the warmth of other suns. I know Mm. at the end of our last episode, I said that was something I was going to do. And man, if you have not read that book, I strongly encourage you to go get it. Don't be intimidated by the size of it because it flows so quickly. It, It is a true masterpiece of literature. It is incredible. And what the author does, Isabel does, is she has interviewed people that lived through the great migration and some of them starting with their stories in the 20s, 1930s and following these individuals, their families from the South into LA, New York, Chicago, all over the place. And what was so powerful about this book is it was their testimony. It was Mm -hmm. each person's individual testimony and story. This is where I was born. This is the story that happened to me. This story, I saw this, then there was this. And it just reminded me of the power of story and the power of testimony, the power of being known and being transparent and how transformative that is. You know, even Jesus taught in this way when we look at, at parables and the way that he used an individual story to relay something that was deeper. Like we are storytellers and we love to hear stories. And when it comes to things like social media, that's not what we're getting. We're not getting the stories. We're getting the snippets. You know, on Twitter, we're getting the sentence or two. You know, we're getting the headlines as we're scrolling the news. And it's no wonder that we feel angry and disconnected. That mm. There's so much division happening. You read a sentence or two from somebody and it's completely disconnected from their whole story. You don't know why they said that, what their point was, what 20, 30 years of life has led them to believe that that was important to share. And I feel like that was something that happens more when we were growing up. But over the past decade, especially with social media, we've lost that. We've lost the power of that. We've reduced everything down. And Mm. just just by our pace, honestly, you know, that social media, that's also life. And in doing so, we've reduced the complexity of things to, I think, a way that isn't helpful because 
life isn't that simple. Life isn't that, you know, clear cut, you know, we're human beings and the world around us is broken. And so you need that context of the story, the testimony, and really the depth of relationship, which is always our goal here is to move beyond the headline into the depth of relationship. Mm -hmm. When spiritually, the scripture says there is something powerful and overcoming about our testimony. Mm-hmm. In Revelation 12, 11, it says that they overcame the enemy. They overcame Satan because of the blood of the lamb, number one, and because of the word of their testimonies. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. So there was a sacrificial giving up, but also they testified. Yes, they testified to Jesus but they were also testifying to his story in their life. Right. And Mm -hmm. part of that coupled with the blood overcame the darkness, the evil, the enemy, the things that we're seeing. You and I are here wanting to talk about this division and how do we find unity? There's something that happens with the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony that overcomes. And I just really felt that. I felt that with this book. And it also made me think about like, who are the people in my life that have been the most impactful to me. I'd like to challenge our listeners to think about that. Who are some people that have deeply impacted you? They invited you in. They invited you to know them in their story, didn't they? If someone's deeply impacted you, it's not just someone that shared something on Instagram. This is someone that's invited you to know them. They've shared their story with you. My friend Maya likes to call it being invitational. They were invitational with you. And they were generous with their testimony. That's where we need to be moving. That's where we're going to find progress. Yeah. And I'm so looking forward to all of our conversations that we have lined up for this season. Mm-hmm. That's the example for every one of them. They are inviting us in. We're going to get to benefit yeah. from getting to know a little bit of not just what they're seeing, experiencing today, but the story behind it. And God uses that. That's what I think is so cool and powerful in the Old Testament, the Israelites create these markers to remind them of things that have happened because that's the story that he's writing with them and their people and their lives. And so he uses those things that maybe happened a long time ago Mm -hmm. to kind of frame our mind and set our mind so that we can see different things or so that we interpret things a little differently because of our experience or so that we have context for knowing what's coming now and what does that mean? I love thinking about how that story is, it's not just today. And we can never evaluate on what we just see on the surface. Like it's that whole history of our lives. Our awesome guests are going to invite us into that this season. Mm. It's making me think about in Deuteronomy when Moses was leaving parting words with the people. And he said, don't forget where you come from. Remember what you've been through. Tell your story. And then he says, so that you won't fall victim to the same mistakes over and over again so that you won't go back there so that you can move forward. And then he also says, so that you will love the widow, the orphan and the alien. Yes. There's something connected to remembering what we've come from to be able to love those well that need it, that are struggling, that are without, that maybe are being oppressed. Because when we remember what we've been through, there's a humility and there's a thankfulness that comes through. And when someone's sharing their story with you, there's a humility and a thankfulness that you're sharing with each other. Mm-hmm. Another thing you and I were talking about is this whole concept of a house divided can't stand. And there's a great speech from Abraham Lincoln. You guys can look it up. It's not very long where he's quoting this scripture from Matthew 12, 25, where Jesus was talking in some translations, it says a kingdom divided against itself can't stand. 
And man, I thought about that when I got back on Instagram. I was like, right. look at this. I mean, the church, the kingdom of God, we don't even need to bring anybody else in. We are so divided right now and so staunchly dug in. And maybe because I've been away from it, I feel like it's more than ever. Yeah. But man, it feels so strong. Do you feel that? Yeah. yeah. And when I said I couldn't get on social media, that was part of it. I mean, I would physically feel my stomach turn when I would see the vitriol between people, like you said, people in the church, yeah. you know, people divided within the church. We've seen movements of people, you know, moving from what I'll call one camp to another. I mean, that's like, literally we're watching that, you know, you get kicked out of one group and you get picked up by another. It's like, why did that group even exist? We are unified in mm-hmm. our commitment to Jesus. And there's a lot that we can help, you know, iron sharpens iron. We can help each other understand but we take that so much farther and that same iron cuts ties. Mm-hmm. And I think we're in that place right now where we are divided because of our inability to listen to each other. And listening well comes out of empathy. I'm going to listen to you because I respect you. I respect that God has made you and given you a calling in this life. And I value you and I care mm-hmm. about you. By the way, I'm going to be changed and I'm going to grow and learn, Right. So yeah. God has just been really putting on my heart. I need to just take a breather from that mm-hmm. divisiveness actually this summer to be refreshed and be regrounded in what is essential in our faith and not mm-hmm. get caught up in weighing in on the latest topic. I think that's the most important thing. There's this kind of magnetism that says, you got to weigh in. You got to throw your voice into this. No, you don't. You're probably not changing anyone's minds by throwing things out on social mm-hmm. media, but you are changing hearts by having conversations with people that you know. And that is where I just really felt like investing my time this summer. And God was gracious in that. I tell you, it's so easy to get caught up in that. It's like once you start sharing and posting about stuff, people are like, well, why didn't that person share about this? Why didn't they think, you know, do you not think, I saw somebody saying something and they were comparing it like apples and oranges or something. And they shared something about, I really like apples. And then the person was like, well, do you hate oranges? Oranges are good too. <laughs> yeah, it turned into this whole thing. But I mean, really, that is the ridiculousness of how I feel like people are communicating right now. Right. And with God convicting me so much over the summer of focusing on myself, my own pursuit of holiness, my own sanctification, my own humility, me practicing these things and being present to where I need to grow, what God's doing, what he's calling me to do. And it really being about starting with me, the change I want to see starts with me. I think that's such a good line. And I've really been trying to live there this summer. And then I, I kind of start re-engaging with everybody and I'm like, man, so many people are pointing the finger at other people mm-hmm. and saying, you this, you're doing this wrong. What about ourselves? Yeah. What about, you know, like, again, If we want to go back to talking about testimony and story, we're responsible here. I can't change Brooke's testimony and story, but I can affect mine with the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm focused on that. We're called to be harsh with our own flesh, not with the world. Mm. That That's where the conviction comes, that we're called to subjugate the sin nature in ourselves. And that's Mm -hmm. where we start. Yes, of course, we're concerned with what's going on in the world, but our majority and our focus needs to be on the way that we are responding to God, the way that we are sinning, right? It's about our own personal sanctification. 
And then out of that, it overflows into the world. Exactly. That's the source and the place of where we are going to approach other people. And again, we're remembering where we're coming from. We're remembering our own sin nature and our sanctification process. So we're going to come with humility and compassion. Yes, that's so good. I love that. It reminds me of this book that I was reading this summer called A Practical Guide to Culture by John Stone Street and Brett Kunkel. And um, John Stone Street is a great theologian, apologist type and, uh, you know, social narrative. And then Brett Kunkel is more youth ministry background. So they have this great perspective on navigating culture for the next generation. And one of the things they talked about is how do you think about culture? What is culture? And sometimes we end up thinking like God calls us to be in the world, but not of the world. And we end up quote hating culture. But what that means is we end up hating the people (laughs) that are outside of the church. And then we kind of follow this logical, you know, continuation, because like you said, we're so focused on out there instead of in here and in Mm -hmm. our hearts. And so that's not what God called us to do. He called us to be in the world and to love the world mm-hmm. and to show them his love in the world. They really navigate really well. How do you exist in a culture that's very antithetical to biblical mm-hmm. values and yet be a loving light, a light, not you know a hammer that's squashing everything, right? And so I would highly recommend it. I thought it was such a great, helpful tool for a framework, I would say, for thinking about how do we live more lovingly and engaging with culture? I love that. I think that we don't think about love being an overcoming mm. thing, a powerful thing. Yes, we talk about the love of God transforms us, but we don't think a lot about how the way we love and how God loves through us is transformative. Yeah. It changes situations. It changes people. I mean, MLK has that incredible quote that hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And it's true. It's true. I think about the times in my life where someone has sinned against me or offended me. And I come back to them with love and with grace and with compassion. And it changes them and it changes me. Yeah. Both for the better. Yeah. And and then there there's a common shared gratitude and unity that comes in to both of us. I think so much of this response we're seeing is because of fear. And we know the scripture says that perfect love casts out all fear. Yeah. So if there's fear present and we're operating from a place of fear, love's not operating there. Yeah. But if we're operating out of this place of love, even if it's undeserved, the fear is cast out and we're able to respond in like radical love is the way I like to call it. I think it's really hard for us too to recognize when we're operating out of fear. And I think COVID has been a perfect like microcosm of that, right? That we say, okay, I'm not going to fear the virus. But then in doing that, we then say, well, I'm also not going to fear, you know, these government rules about how we should act. So I actually do become, you know, afraid of like protectivism, I guess is what happens, right? Protective of my beliefs and my thoughts. And we don't realize that's what we're doing. But anytime we're protecting something, it's usually grounded in fear. Because mm-hmm. if we truly believe that God has got that, it can't go away. Whatever we value that is in line with his will, like he's not going to let it be destroyed. Mm-hmm. He's got it. And so we don't have to be protectivist about it. We don't have to be afraid. But I think oftentimes we, we feel like in a righteous way, we want to protect what is good in this world. And that, that's a beautiful thing. Right. But like you said, this posture of love and humility actually 
can be far more overcoming and powerful than we give it credit for. When we're operating out of fear, we're using worldly methods, worldly weapons, aren't we? I mean, when we use accusations, anger, condemnation, that's not the way that we saw Jesus interact. Absolutely. Yes, Jesus would say, that's not right. I don't agree with that. That doesn't line up with the kingdom. I rebuke that. And we're not saying that you don't need to stand up for what is right, what is biblical. But he didn't sit and then worry and fear and ruminate and accuse Mm. and, and sit and listen to rhetoric over and over and become fearful and then that's not how he, he continued the conversation, right? And he prayed, right? He sought God and then he stayed in relationship. He wasn't yeah. going and, and picking up the Roman Tribune to find out what was going on, <laughs> you know? Like he would go away in silence alone and yes. be with the father, right? And then he would come back to his close relationship and they would discuss and debate and dialogue about these issues. And then he could re-engage from that place and then withdraw. And re-engage and withdraw. We're made for that. We can't sustain this constant back and forth of vitriol and fear. We see it in statistically with the mental health issues that are happening. With, I mean, families are breaking up. It's terrible, the effects that this has on us. We weren't made for that. Yeah. One great book that you guys can check out that talks more about this is called Way of the Dragon, Way of the Lamb. It's actually going to be out on audiobook next week. So I don't know about you, but I'm a big audiobook listener. It helps me fit stuff in when I'm driving around town or carpool. So you can go ahead and pre-subscribe for that. But the book really focuses on how the means to the goal, the way to the goal is really the focus that we see throughout scripture. Yes, God is about accomplishing what he sets forth to do. But so much of the story of scripture is the process of accomplishing it, the way that it was accomplished. I mean, so much so that early Christians weren't called Christians. It was called the way. Mm. I'm a follower of the way. This is the way that we are called to live. It was more about the process, the action, the methodology, the means, not just the goal. And I, I feel like we've lost that. We're so focused on this goal on this outcome Mm. and the goal, the outcome, whatever it is, the hat that you're wearing, the camp you're in, whatever that objective is, even if you get close to it, it changes. It keeps changing and moving. It's this nonstop objective reaching craziness that, that we get wrapped up in. And when I look at the scriptures, I don't see that. I see God saying more about what's happening in your heart. How are you loving people? What's your relationship What is the way that you're accomplishing the goal? I love that. People of the way. Well, this was a lot for us to unpack. I think you guys can see that we're coming back with just some new perspectives and a new heart on how we want to address these conversations. I'm really looking forward to hearing from the wide variety of guests that we're going to have. We've got Native American voices coming in, Indian American voices. We've got a Japanese American voice coming up in the next episode with Mary Pugh. We're going to be talking about the criminal justice system, the reconstruction era, learning about the civil rights happening when we go on tour with One Race. And I can't wait to hear about how people are processing when we're in those spaces. There's a lot. And we'd also love to hear from you guys. What do you want us to talk about? I know critical race theory is a big thing, and we're going to try to tackle that for you guys in a couple of episodes. But let us know what's on your heart and what's on your mind. You can find us on at 
Grace and Redemption on Instagram because we downloaded Instagram again. We're back on there. <laughs> you can send us a DM or you can go check out our website at raceandredemption.com and there's a contact form if you want to send us something that way. Great. Thank you so much for joining us again and we look forward to our next episode with you. Thank you for joining us today for the Race and Redemption podcast. Make sure not to miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button on our page wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Race and Redemption so you can join the conversation today. This episode was produced by Matt Owen for Soul Graffiti Productions.